My guest today is a really good friend of mine, Matt Ayers. We met each other at the Lockhart unit when we were locked up together back in 2005 and six. We both got out and he made some bad decisions and ended up back in. He's been in for 10 years. He's at the Polunsky unit. I got to go in and interview him. Uh, it was a pleasure to do that and I uh, had a great time. So today we do a background check on Matthew Ayers. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast, where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Uh, I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and it's brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future we're also brought to you by clarity roofing and solar uh, if you need an estimate on a roof and you want to roll in solar panels uh, that's what we did well they put a roof on our head in our old house and then solar panels on our new house and we are loving we are loving our solar panels so uh, clarity roofing and solar.com is their website you can call joe today at 469-386-9116 that's 469-386-9116. Call Joe today if you need solar panels or a new roof from these storms that we're having. And it looks like we're maybe in tornado season right now. So uh, keep an eye on your roof and call Clarity Roofing and Solar and get that taken care of. Man, it's been a great week. It's been a great week. Hey, listen, we are, um, we're, right, we're right about to sign the lease for the new house for Forgiven Felons. So we're excited. Uh, it's going to be bittersweet as we leave our duplex behind after 11 years. Uh, it's going to be crazy this this next month. Um, we're kind of taking a pause on interviewing. We will have a couple more to interview, but we're going to take a break and just do the background checks while we're moving and getting in. Y'all keep us in your prayers. Moving day is May 27th, and if you're in the Dallas area and, um, and you have time, uh, come help us move. We're going to buy you lunch that day, maybe even breakfast, but um, we need all the help we can get. All right, so uh, thank y'all, man. This is like again bittersweet because this is where we all started uh, at this house we're moving from, but we're excited about where we're moving to. So, uh, all right, well, listen, let, let me get to some shout outs because uh, I got a lot of them today. You guys have been writing in, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, Amanda Williams from um, uh, from Connecticut, I don't know which, um, maybe York Correctional Institution, I don't know if that's. Yeah, um, so first of all, we don't have any female housing yet, but um, you hang in there, stay strong. Your kids, you're gonna be reconciled with your kids one day and they're gonna be living for God and you're gonna be living for God and everything's gonna be great, okay? Uh, let me see here, Trey, uh, Troy Stills, Bridgeport. Hey, we got your letter, man, thank you. Um, David Webb, man, yeah, yeah stay, stay strong, man. Uh, I'll let all the guys know and tell them hello for you. But you stay strong because I know Reggie and Gator and Mouse and all these guys, they would tell you the same same thing. And uh, and I'll, I'll I'll let them know you said hello. Jared Jackson, Plunsky, stay strong, man. Listen, I was in AdSec. My life was changing AdSec, so 
you stay strong. Finish those classes and uh, and get out, okay, man? And uh, look us up when you get out. Uh, James Willis. James Willis. First of all, happy birthday, dude. Happy birthday. And uh, uh, let's see. I will let... I will help with that podcast, bro. I will help with that podcast when you get out. All right. And the other thing is pick your battles, bro. Don't be don't be nitpicky like that. All right. Pick your battles. Um, let's see who else we got. Adriana. Adriana. I will talk to Dreesen. Okay. And I know you're right. We don't have enough female uh, guests on the show that have been impacted by the justice system. You're right. Uh, but listen, episode four, Don Adkins. Episode eleven, Tyler Coleman. Twice, Tyler Coleman, twice. Uh, episode 23, Cynthia. Episode 124, Ty Washington. 125, Letitia Scott Jackson. And 126, Portia Lauder. We had three three right there in a row, 124 through 126. So check those out. But you're right. You, you convicted me, and uh, I'm going to do better and try to get more on there, okay? You need to get out so we can get you on here. Uh, let me see. Mark Cook, thank you for all the kind words, man. Just wanted to give you a shout-out. Uh William, William from the Ramsey Union. Do you go? Do you go by Bill? I don't know. Uh, I will let. I, I did let Priscilla know, and um, that your your her episode impacted you, man. And then I will talk to um, Brewer. All right. Let's see, Michael Martinez. As soon as I got your letter, uh, I talked to Joe, and he remembers you, man. And so he says to stay strong and uh, keep going, man. Get out and do do uh, do good, man. Shane Green, prayers, man. We are praying for uh, you and all the Alabama people, man. We know. We know. Believe me. I've uh, been in contact with a couple other inmates in Alabama. And, um, yes. So, Gully. Gully. Keep writing. I loved your letter. Keep writing. I know it's been a month since you wrote, and I, I apologize. But keep writing, all right? Uh, it's It was nice. Uh, it was it was cool to read everything that you're you're doing. So, let's see. Carl. Carl from the Lopez unit. Stay strong, man, okay? All right? Guys, we love y'all. We love when you write in. Uh, I do miss some every once in a while, so forgive me. If I if you wrote and I didn't give you a shout-out, man, write back in. All right? And uh, uh, we'll get you on there. All right? So let me see here. Do I have any other announcements? Um, oh, I went, I went to Austin on Wednesday, April the 19th, and testified against a couple of bills that are going to uh, be highly restrictive for uh, registered sex offenders. And this is a group that we help. And uh, and if you're offended by that, get over it. Um, but there's some bills that are going to be highly restrictive and actually going backwards in the way they enforce some stuff. And uh, so I went down there and testified. And uh, and I think God gave me some favor. We do have some, some nasty uh, politicians uh, that, that some people have elected. And... Um, but that's all right. God gave me favor, and I stood. I stood there and talked to them, and uh, defended, defended the people that uh, that this this bill will hurt. So anyway, all right. I am excited about today's show. Uh, he's he's a dear friend. I've kept up with him the whole time he's been in ten years. We met back in 04, 05, 06, 2004, 05, and 06 when we were both doing time at the Lockhart unit, which is now the Coleman unit. Um, by the way, uh, let me see here. Murray, Lane Murray unit. I think I'm scheduled to come do a Sunday morning service at um, at your place. So you guys get ready. Um, and then Coleman, Coleman, 
I am coming in with the event you guys are having next Thursday, so get ready. I'm not doing the service or doing speaking or anything, but I'm coming in to hang out with you guys, with you gals, sorry. Um, and that'll be that'll be neat because that'll be the first time I've been back on the unit that I was actually in. So, uh, yeah, so this uh, this guest, good friend, and we hung out together after we both got out the first time. He made some bad decisions and, uh, and, and ended up back in prison. Uh, but honestly, I, you know, I, prison was the best thing for me. And I always hate to say that it was the best thing for somebody else because I want them to speak on that. But prison saved my life. It really did. I mean, I was already, you know, God saved me from a wreck already and out here. And, uh, and it was, I was going to die if I didn't go to prison, I think. But uh, my friend Matt, we've been such good friends. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't write as much as I should these last 10 years but um we're praying for his parole we're praying for all of your parole okay Chaz, all of you man we're praying for your paroles but uh i got to go into the plumsky unit and i got to interview megamind with the tank tank nation radio and um and matt while he was there and so uh it, it was a privilege and honor to see uh, what god has done in his life and i'm happy for him and uh here's the interview y'all enjoy Matthew Ayers, welcome to Background Check Podcast, man. Yes, sir. It's an honor. Dude, I mean, 2004 and five and six, you and I, well, I don't know. When, when did you get to Lockhart? I believe it was in 2005. Okay. So I got there in late 2004. So I was there late 2004. To, so I met you, man, and you were on fire for God. Yes, sir. And I remember talking with you, and I remember you were actually, you were actually somebody who was who was teaching me something, but I resisted. I don't even know if you know all this, but in my heart I was resisting. It's like who is this little young kid trying to tell me? I grew up in church, I had books of the Bible memorized, and I was like who is this little young kid trying to tell me you know about Christianity? And I remember. I remember God took me back to my first two mentors when I came out of SEG. Mm. And and God said about them, because I was like, man, two get, I know more scripture than they do. And he was like, you got it up here, but you don't have it here. Yeah. And these guys have it here. And so by the time I get to Lockhart, I was on fire. But God, you know how God works in levels, you know, he just takes us to the next level. And, of course. And... And you were just one of those guys that I, I talked to God about and said, God, who's this little young little kid trying to teach me about, you know? And he said, if you're not willing to learn from him, you're going to have a hard time when you get out of prison. Mm. And he said, I need you to learn from whoever I put in your path. And, uh, you know, so I just wanted you, I wanted you to know that. I don't know if I ever got to tell you when you got out that you had an impact in me going to another level in my spiritual relationship with the Lord. Um, but you did. Amen. And whether you intended that to be or not, I don't know. You were just spitting fire because you were on fire and you were just spitting right. fire. And I'm like, oh, yeah, who's this guy, you know? But but I, I learned from you in there. And uh, and so, uh, man, Lockhart was incredible, huh? Yeah, it really was. Lockhart was incredible. When I first started going to the church there, they were in uh, a classroom with mm -hmm. only 30 people. By the time I made parole, we were in the gym, the gym with like right. a, over a hundred every Sunday morning, yeah. and uh, and and it was incredible. I remember Matt. Um, by the way, y'all, it's 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 April, 
National Second Chance Month. Amen. And I forget to I forgot to talk about it in the other episode with Rami, but um, you know, God's a God of second chances. I used to say, Matt, I'm gonna let you talk here a little bit, but I'm setting everything up. I used to say God's a God of another chance because I blew my second chance a long time ago. Right. And then God showed me a verse about how he he puts he takes our sin and casts it into the sea of forgetfulness. forgetfulness. Yeah. So that's when I learned that God doesn't know everything. He knows all, but some things he chooses not to know anymore. Right. And that is our sin. After we confess and repent, he throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. And so when we do mess up after that, we got a clean slate. Because when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So when we mess up after that, it's, it's just like a second chance. Yeah. Clear debt. And so now I don't have a problem calling him the God of second chances because every time we mess up and every time we forgive, get forgiveness, it's just like we never committed our first chance. And now he's given us another second chance. Credit report, wipe clean. Yes. So man, Matt, you got out. We went to a Ranger game together. We were having fun. And then, um, and then, and then you, you made some decisions that landed you back in prison and yes, you've sir. been here for, You've been back in prison for, has it been 10 years? 10 years, yes, this month. So tell everybody who you are now, what you are now, why you're here at the Polonsky unit, what you do now, and then we'll get kind of, we'll do a, a background check and get into your background. Um, by the way, um, you know, here on background check, we, we say your background shouldn't hold you back, it should pay you back. Right, absolutely. And I know that it's, it's already paying you back in here, and I can't wait to see how your background pays you back when you get out as well. Amen. And so, cause every time we share, every time we speak, every time we do something, point people to Jesus. So, you know what? I, I think I, I want, I want you to go ahead and, um, so tell us, tell us who you were. Okay. And you got something prepared and then, and then, and then we'll talk about who you are now. Okay. I just have something that I constructed for parole. You know, it's a very concise version of who I was. I'll read that briefly. Then just kind of touch on that. So I titled it, this, this is who I was. I was a boy that lost his baseball career through an arm injury, who then turned to alcohol and lost control of his life. A boy with a missing identity, no true understanding of life nor purpose. I was a boy trying to prove himself and live up to unreasonable expectations due to re rejection growing up, excuse me. I was crying out, seeking love and attention in all the wrong ways. I was merely existing with no real sense of comprehension in re regards to the concerns of life. I was like a wave in the sea being tossed to and fro. They say that in life you are either running to pleasure, running from pain, or running with purpose. And to be completely honest for me, it was all of the above, but no purpose. I was irresponsible, senseless, and total reckless with my choices that ultimately led to a devastating tragedy. Even after my car wreck, I still found my identity in the wrong things, such as money and success. I really believed that I was a man simply because I made a lot of money and became successful. Boy, was I ever blind and wrong. I didn't understand that being a man meant being responsible, reputable, and an in individual of great character. In earnest, none of these or none of those significant qualities were in a way were any way part of my life back then. I was clueless. Just because I grew older didn't mean that I grew up. So to honestly answer your question, I was but a boy 
desperately needing to mature into manhood. This is who I used to be, a missing man, a man who was truly lost. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So that was, you know, a condensed version of, of who I was, you know. I didn't have an identity. I didn't know who I was. I well, let's talk about growing up, you okay. know, because you talk about you lost your baseball career. Right. You know, uh, so obviously sports was involved in your life. What was life growing up? I know you got a sister. Right. Uh, you know, what, what was what was family life like in the heirs family? I mean, it was, it was healthy. You know, I had a little sister, Katie, younger brother. Uh, we were driven by sports. Um, pretty close-knit family. My dad was mainly my coach. That was his main position in my life. Um, you know, we traveled did a lot of family oriented things for the most part. But like I said, the biggest part of my life and my household was, was my baseball career, you know, from the age of four in T-ball, you know, my dad coached me all the way through high school, you know, played varsity ball for freshman. We played uh, BBI tournament ball, we traveled everywhere. So I mean, you were looking at making this a career. Absolutely. Yeah. I played a uh, junior college ball at quad C when I was 16 at a um, Arizona diamondbacks retired pitcher. Uh, Sean Phillips was my pitching coach. So we were ML MLB getting prepped for the next stage ultimately. And, uh, but you know, that was most of my life growing up was just encircled encompassed around baseball. And then the injury happened. What, what right. how'd you injure your arm? Well, um, ultimately as I progressed through school, um, you know, my baseball career elevated, I believe when I was 16 or 17, you know, I changed my, my, my pitching mechanics increased my velocity of my fastball by about seven miles an hour. My varsity year, I threw my arm out pitching. Mm. And I remember warming up for a game and I went to throw the ball and the ball fell five feet from my, from my release. And I had the sharp, you know, shooting pains from my shoulder all the way down to my fingertips. Mm. And I started to hold my arm and I knew at that point something had happened. So then I went to the orthopedic doctor and he said I had a fracture in my uh, rotator's cuff. Wow. And at that point, is when my my world caved in you yeah. know it's like all my dreams flashed before because you face. knew it was over yeah you know and then you know the fact that i knew it was going to let my father down because like i said my dad was my coach my whole life more in a coach position than a father position yeah. and that now, was our relationship and now the only thing that was that that built your relationship was built on that kept us over. bound together yeah you know those are the strings that kept us attached and it's like I could see those strings and those cords just being cut. And that was the fear that I had that this was going to also sever my relationship with my father. Mm, wow. So, uh, you know, at some point, you know, us people who strayed from our uh, either our faith or our family values or whatever, we end up getting into drugs, alcohol, whatever. So when when did any anything that is extracurricular like that that you probably weren't supposed to get into when did that all that start creeping into your life well it, it was really beginning to creep into my life in high school you know you want to be around the cool crowd and you know all the guys were all athletes and jocks and stuff so you know we're trying to impress the women yep. and we do that at parties and we do that when we're drinking you know just doing all the wrong things thinking uh, they were the right things yes right and it really started my junior year and I was able to manage, you know, my baseball, you know, my baseball practicing and games and career and stuff. But when I injured my arm, threw my arm out, it was like at that point when everything caved in, I caved in and I just went completely left and uncontrolled, you know, uncontrolled drinking and, and partying. 
and uh, I was at that point running from pain mm. and I was numb thinking that this was going to be the answer for me to kind of block out all the different depression thoughts I was experiencing. So I just, I lost control and I got lost in, you know, in the pits. Yeah. And so, I mean, that continued until the accident. Yeah. When I was 19. Okay. 2002. So you were 19 when I knew you were young when I met you. Yeah. But um, I guess I never really put together how old you were when you had the accident. Yeah, 19. So um, I know a little bit about your case as far as, you know, what you all charged with. So mm -hmm. that night, that night, man, I mean, I know I've been drunk before and I've had accidents and I've had things happen. And sometimes when I know something bad has happened when I'm drunk, it sobers me up a little bit. <laughs> you know, like in the moment, like whatever that is, I don't know what that is. It just makes you, oh, crap, I got to, you know, so... What, what was going on that night, you know, and because uh, I know you also had a um, failure to stop and render aid. So okay. what happened with there? Did you take off? Did you get scared? Did you, you know, what what happened that night? Well, we were at a friend's house, uh, me and a couple buddies, um, I think off 635 and Alpha. And, you know, we had plans to go to a party in a friend's house in Richardson. And I had two drinks. And I was on my way there. You know, we were a little bit late. I think it was getting started like around 10:30 or something. And I ran a I ran a red a red light and T-boned a precious lady. Mm -hmm. She lost her life, and I I freaked out. And I was 19 and never had been in a situation like that. You know, not making any any excuse for that. I just yeah. I blacked out, yeah. got numb, paralyzed, and. I've always turned to my father. My dad's always bailed me out of everything. He's always been the one that just came to my rescue. So um, my friend's house was actually right across the street. And I went there and to kind of just calm myself down, I had two beers when I got to the house. And I called my dad, freaking out, you know, I was super nervous. I was pale as a ghost. And my dad said, son, and I didn't know that it was that serious. Yeah. I just thought that I got into a bad car wreck right. and just, you, you know, didn't know that life had been. No, taken I had no at, clue. At that point. Yeah. And my dad said, son, something serious has happened. Somebody's lost their life. I've got to pick you up right now. We've got to go back immediately. So within 30 minutes of the accident, you know, I returned and I was just pale. I mean, I didn't, there were so many different like thoughts going through my mind, you know, I was freaking out, just yeah. darkness, you know, covered my lens, my eyes and you know, the detective and stuff said that there was a homicide there mm. and I had to go through the processes of, you know, sobriety tests and all that. So you got uh, uh, your original sentence on those cases were five years, right? Well, I got five years for failure to stop or under okay. aid and it was ranked concurrent with a 10 year deferred probation. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So you end up um, coming to uh, the Lockhart unit, spending some time with me. And uh, I made some good, we made some good friends there. I don't know if you ever kept in contact with anybody from there, uh, but I've kept in contact with you, uh, Reggie McCoy. Do you remember Reggie McCoy? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, he was in my wedding. Uh, Lino, Paul Landa, right. he was also in my wedding. Uh, Barney Steinberg, I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, I remember he, uh, he passed away a couple years ago from cancer. Mm. Um, but those guys, man, and, and then and then Hill, Marcus Hill. I don't know if you you remember Marcus Hill, yeah, right? Absolutely, that was my volleyball partner. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, man, I keep track. And Pastor Joseph, I mean, he's been on the podcast, right. so I keep track of all you guys, man, because because the the relationships I made there, and then you and I even hung out afterwards, you right. know, and um, so, but let's talk about let's talk about um, 
let's talk about your time out, you know, uh, between Lockhart and, and, and coming back. Okay. You know, what was your mindset coming out? Cause, cause Matt, you were on fire for God. And a lot of people, the whole stigma of, you know, prison religion, jailhouse religion, they get saved in prison, they come out, and, you know, and it's not real, it's not a real decision because they get out and they don't live it. I don't believe that. I believe we all make real decisions inside prison. I believe that, uh, that the decisions we make when we get out can undo some of those real decisions. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean they were any less real when we made them. And so I know you were on fire for God and, at Lockhart. You were, you were, um, you were, like I said, you even impacted my life. You helped me go to the next level spiritually. Um, you know, and, and it's, 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 you know, we went, I got out, I went in a week and a half before Easter and I got out two days after Easter. Mm. So my last Sunday in prison, I preached. Yeah. I remember that. And I even sang a song and people laugh at me when I tell my second song, but you know, uh, so Easter is special for me not only because Jesus died and rose again and we can walk in that same resurrection power, but it's also special to me because, man, you know, I was one guy a week and a half before Easter when I went in and I was a total different guy when I got out two days after Easter. Um, but talk about your, your time out, man, um, when you got out. And, and obviously you made a decision that landed you back in here uh, so, and there's going to be a lot of people getting out soon. Right, of course. You're going to be one of them, you know. So you're going to get you're you're going to get that uh, another chance, that second chance. Talk about it and talk about the good, the bad, everything. What went wrong? What was right? What What are you going to change this time? Gotcha. How are you going to do it differently? You know, um, because people, everybody needs to learn from somebody. And when yeah. we when we can learn, a lot of people haven't got out yet for the first time. If they can learn from your experience, absolutely. Then you're blessed by that, and so are they. If you don't mind, let me just back up briefly concerning Lockhart. Yeah. Leading into my release. Yep. So, you know, Lockhart was where you know I locked my heart to Christ. Okay. And the Lord positioned me around great men of God like yourself, brother Joe, brother Marcus. Um, and yes, I was on fire and I had a fresh fire. Um, I was zealous, but I didn't understand my purpose. You know, I was hot on the scriptures, memorizing them. You know, I'm a communicator naturally. So therefore, you know, I can, I was praying a lot yeah. and I love to pray. I love to just fire the you verses actually, off. You actually led the intercessory prayer team up there, I believe. Right. Yeah. So the Lord was, you know, utilizing my, my communicative abilities plus the fire, you know, would just pour out. But while I was in there, I wasn't able to really come up under you guys consistently. You know, when I was living in the pod, you know, I lived away from most people. I didn't really have a lot of believers with me where I was at. So a lot of my interaction with you guys was at church and your measure of a man class that right. you taught was phenomenal. Um, but while I was in there, I was pursuing still a lot of, you know, Matt kingdom, or, you know, building my own kingdom, you know, uh, products. Like gotcha. I was seeking finance. I had the Wall Street Journal, Money Magazine, Kipler's, U.S. Business Weekly. I had like 20 different magazines. And I was on my workout like crazy, just building Matt. Though I, I had a fire and I'm plugged into church. But if I look back, I could see that I spent a lot more time concerning building Matt's kingdom 
versus building God's kingdom. Mm, wow. And I didn't really go into discipleship like I needed to. I didn't go on to maturity. So my roots weren't very deep. Yeah. I didn't have a solid, solid foundation built on the gospel. Like I knew the basics of the gospel, the life of Jesus, death, burial, resurrection. But I didn't know all, all the aspects. and I didn't know it intimately, personally. Yeah. Right. So um, and I didn't have a vision. I, I couldn't clearly define my identity. OK, yeah. so when I got out, I got out with that fire. Mm -hmm. But again, didn't have a firm no foundation, roots, yeah. no roots. And I remember um, when I first got out, I'm like, OK, so where do I go? What do I do? So you go with what you know. I had been training, working out most of the time. So I went to L.A. Fitness, got certified to be a trainer. OK, I paid the four hundred dollars, went to the think like uh, 16 week course and um, started training at L.A. Fitness. And at that time, you know, I was going to church, you know, my fire was still lit and still carrying on and stuff. And uh, I was going to a fellowship church at Young and things were great for about the first two months. Everything was going well. You know, I was, got my uh, credit cards and I got my bank account and, you know, I had saved up a substantial amount of money at Lockhart through the pie program, walked out with about $8,500. And, you know, life was good. And I remember... I was uh, shadowing one of the, the elder trainers at LA Fitness in Garland, and one of my good friends, Eric Rioja, from, from my past, he uh, picked me up for lunch. And at this time, he owned Empire Motorcars. Mm -hmm. And he took me to Master Grill, never forget the experience, never been there. It's kind of like Texas Day Brazil, where they pass around all the exotic meats and Praise stuff. Praise the Lord. And, yeah. Preach. Preach. <laughs> You know, so it definitely beats the delicacy of uh, the TDCJ uh, yes. cookbook, ultimately. But um, so I went to the auction with him that, that afternoon, you know, got a chance to drive a Z06 Corvette back to the dealership. And Eric looked at me, he says, why don't you, why don't you come with me and start selling cars? And I'm like, well, I've never sold cars. I've sold drugs before and never really yeah. had a job. And I was, you know, wearing a muscle shirt, great shape, you know, had my shades on. You clean were, cut. man, you were. You always looked on point. You know, so I remember I started selling cars for him and I just took off and started selling like 10 cars a month and, you know, things progressed. But let me stop right there for a second. A lot of my old friends worked there too, okay? And I was thinking that I could go into this dealership and save everybody by myself and just be like, yeah. you know, Superman in there. We always think and that. Man, yeah. was I mistaken. Because Jesus always sent the disciples out two, two by, by two, two. Right. And Solomon said in Ecclesiastics, I think four, you know, two's greater than one. And a threefold cord's not easily broken because if one falls, the other one's there to lift him back up. But that was if you're by yourself, you can put a thousand. But what if three thousand are coming at you? Yeah. You're by yourself. You're right. going to be overtaken. Absolutely. And that's what happened. Yes. Yeah, so. You know, I was getting them to come to church with me. I remember, like, I convinced them, you know, through my fiery communicative abilities. Your salesmanship. <laughs> You're a good salesman. You're a right. closer, man. You, right. you close them on coming to church. That's yeah. the, I mean, that's it. Yeah. The ABCs of uh, sales is always, always be, closing. be closing. And that's, that's right. what I was doing with them, right? So then Satan stepped in. You know, and he let me have my way for a little while. But little by little, as I was starting to kind of hang around them a lot more, they were smoking cigarettes, and I was constantly seeing and, and visualizing, you know, the, and I smoked before and I always told myself I would never smoke again. And I remember one day after just continuing to watch everybody smoke, I'm like, man, these dudes, you know, they look cool smoking cigarettes. 
let me just try one. I'm curious again what it would taste like, what it, the experience would be. Compromise, crack door right yeah. there. And before you know it, after a couple of weeks, I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes again. Mm. And I remember about four or five weeks after that, I'm at a restaurant with them and they're drinking around me, but I've been sober and I'm watching them all experiencing like joy and gladness and they're laughing. I'm over here sober, Sam, and, you know, feeling a little awkward. And I remember the thought crossed my mind, just have a little glass of wine, you know, be like them so that you can kind of, you know, loosen up a little bit and enjoy like they're enjoying the moment. Right. So I remember I ordered a glass of wine and everybody, it's like the music stopped and they looked at me like, well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm like, well, what have you guys been doing? You know, you guys have been, you know, so at that moment, the door sprung wide open. Wow. Those two compromises, you know, uh, led me to uh, my demise. And I, I, I did a PowerPoint presentation at PFA. It's uh, compromise can lead to demise. And demise literally means a transfer of power, loss of position. And it's like that I forfeit my position. And uh, from then on, I was in full-blown compromise. Full-blown. You know, even even though... It's funny because sometimes the world will recognize our compromise before we will. Yeah. And it's like you said, they looked at you like, what are you doing? Because they were used to you you taking a stand in in certain things in certain areas, even though you were still hanging out with them and maybe smoking again, they they didn't dream you would you would probably drink, you know. And then they look at you and they're like, What are you doing? Mm -hmm. And sometimes even they know they recognize when we've crossed a line right of a course. spiritual line absolutely it's crazy it's crazy so it was like at these points they're pivotal points and paradigm you know for me ultimately going backwards because like i said i didn't have a firm foundation you know and we know when the storms come if it's if your life your house is not built on the rock then ultimately things can cave in fall apart and shift in the in the wrong direction and that's what happened and I began to adopt my identity into success and money because at that point too, I started making a lot of money in the car business. I became great at it. And like now, and I've learned this, whatever we find our identity in will determine what we love, what we live for. It also reveals what we love. And I started loving money. And we know that the, the love of money is the root of all evils. And so the next couple of years, you know, I started making $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month, I'm seeing all these Ferraris and Lamborghinis and Bentleys. My best friend drives them all. So I'm like, I want to be like this guy. Yeah. And I know that my my money and my success can provide that for me because it's just who I am now. It's what I do and I can obtain it. So I got me an Escalade. I got a CLS 550 and then um, I ended up getting a GTR Skyline, you know, $100,000 car. And I'm just like drowning in, in the worldly lavish living in luxuries. Got my house and... I noticed that even after I got these things, I wanted the next best thing because I thought that it could satisfy my desire or fill that hole. But I didn't realize the hole, instead of becoming complete, got bigger. I bought a GTR. Next week, I'm looking at a Lambo. And I bought a $300,000 house. And me and Ashton at the time, we're looking across the street at the $700,000 houses. We could not find contentment in the things of this world though I was trying so deeply and desperately too. So, cause you were, I mean, cause your spiritual roots were never deep. 
Yeah, right. And so we all want to be rooted in something. Right. And whether it's rooted in our identity of things, money, whatever, and you were just looking for roots. Yeah. You were looking for roots in all the wrong places. Absolutely. You know, and roots that were going to rot really quick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, man, so so at that point, you know, when did everything turn around for you during that time? Or turn for the worse? Well, about my fourth year out, I started getting strong depression. It's like I was living in conviction because the whole time I was living in the world, I, I just wasn't at peace. Okay, it was we, f- we had dinner with you, and I don't remember who it was at the time. I don't know if it was Ashton or, or someone earlier when you were dating earlier when still in Fellowship Church. I don't know. But we had dinner with you one night, and we left that. It was a great dinner. Mm-hmm. We caught up, everything. But uh, my wife and I looked at each other, and we were just like, there's no, there's something's off. Something's yeah. off. We couldn't put our we couldn't f- finger on it. Right. But when all that happened later, you know, later, you know, we, we, uh, you know, because at that point you weren't really wanting to try to hang out with us that much. Right. Yeah, when well, you're <laughs> you living know? in a backslid state, you don't want to live around <laughs> people in the light. Cause... I think I remember having to force you to come to dinner. We had to drive all the way to North Dallas and all this stuff, and yeah. and I was fine with it. But afterwards, we were like, you know, it was a great dinner, but something's going on. Of course, something's he's he's not he's not he's not right here. Yeah, you know, and so go ahead. Yeah, so. You know, I was I was living in conviction, and it's like I was just tr- trying to cover up the conviction with the things of the world, and it just never worked. So my fourth year out, I I quit the dealership because of just the negativity around me, you know, the amount of overwhelming conviction I was experiencing, and I really started uh, getting a little bit more involved in church again, and got sober for about 10 months, and at that point, you know, I was still excelling. No, I have to, let me backtrack. So after about 30 days of, you know, getting sober and getting my life back on track, uh, Empire called me back begging me to come back to the dealership. And they said, look, we fired MJ. MJ was like my arch nemesis in the car business. And when we came together, it was not good. We partied together, did everything together in such a negative way. But they said, we fired MJ. Please come back and lead the dealership. So I let them convince me to come back. And the first month back, we sold 70 cars. I sold 45, hit an all-time record in Dallas for sales in a month, uh, made $30,000. And from that point, the dealership went to the next level. I'm sober. Things are going great. I'm still, like, you know, finding my identity and my career and the things of the world. But I'm sober, and I'm starting to have a little bit more of a sensitivity to the spirit because I'm just not living in ultimate compromise, living in sin like I was because I did repent. Um, but about 10 months out, MJ came back and I had told them that, you know, if, if he comes back, I'm going to leave, you know, because I just know us together, it doesn't equal good, you know? And he came back and I let them convince me again, just give him a shot. 30 days later, I backslid. Mm. And six months after that, I, I lost control completely. And I remember um, me and Ashton were fighting like crazy. We had our own house together. And she was thinking that I was cheating on her, but really I was just working longer hours, you know, just, you know, wallowing again in, you know, in money and, and things, you know, and, and shame. And I remember I told her, I said, look, you got to go back and live with your moms. I need to air out. I need the house to myself. And that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Because at that point, I really lost just massive control 
and I met this um, this lady or this girl at Fishbone Motors, another finance director, and we started kind of messing around. Two months later, March 21st, I remember um, I, I did a finance deal for her dealership, and I was at my house, and she was like, well, meet me at Shuck and Jive in Plano, right there, George Bush and, and uh, 75, so that you can give me this file. And I remember having this feeling like, don't go, because something bad's going to happen. And I was already beginning to tell myself again that I've got to pump the brakes because something's getting ready to happen that's going to bring a travesty against me. And I remember she convinced me, I'm easily influenced, because when you don't have roots or a foundation, anybody can pull on you. Yep. You're going to go with you know wherever they lead you to go. Versus if you got roots and somebody tries to pull on you, you're going to really probably pull them before, before they yep. pull you. And I remember I went to... Uh, that bar had a couple drinks my sister and them showed up and we had some more drinks and i remember i was super drunk and i remember she took me home i left my escalade there she took me home about 10 minutes away from my house and i reached in my pocket to grab my keys and didn't have them on me left them in my escalade i felt like an idiot in front of this girl and i was kind of angry she took me back and she's like well let's just grab your keys and just go back to the house i said no it's two o'clock in the morning. What's the worst that can happen? And I was kind of angry and frustrated. And I said, I'm going to drive. And I remember driving and I was exiting Spring Creek, which takes me to my house. And I got pulled over by the Plano Police Department. And I got a DWI. And that's what violated my probation. Yeah. And I set this course to where I am today. You know, uh, and we spent a lot of time leading up to that. But uh, that's definitely not the end of your right, story. Of because... Uh, you know, I remember you were, um, you contacted me while in the county jail and you were letting me know how God was using you in the county jail. Right. And I remember that, you know, and, uh, and I think you sent somebody to our transitional house, mm -hmm. uh, at that time as well. And, um, or our, or I think we were just getting our transitional house going, I think. And, um, but I, I knew when you were in county jail, my heart broke for you. Uh, cause you were my friend. I hate to see, I hate to see any, anybody I know go down the wrong path and make wrong decisions, but I knew God was using you in prison and I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I didn't know if they were going to revoke, revoke, totally revoke you, right. uh, or, uh, or let you go reinstate you. And, um, but it did break my heart when, when, um, but talk, talk just for a few minutes about County jail. Cause you, I mean, we all have choices every season of life that we're in. We had choices. And so just talk about county jail real quick. What, what was going on in county jail? Well, the, the day I turned myself in, I knew that it was time for Matt to die. Yeah. And June 18th was the day I turned myself in, 2013. That was the day that the old Matt Ayers had a funeral and he died. The person you just read about earlier. Absolutely. He died. Okay. And I entered into the county jail pod with um, a new mindset and attitude. And I freshly repented, returned back to the Lord Jesus. And it's like he just restored everything immediately. And the, the desires for his word was just un, unreal. And the desire for his presence, it's just like proliferated, you know, yeah. increased so substantially. It was unreal. And he just started leading me to sharing sharing the word, teaching Bible studies. I was leading prayer call. I'm freshly repented, yeah. you know, freshly restored, back to the Father's house. 
you know, like Jonah spewed back out in the land and went straight to Nineveh. And it just like from when I left, it's like I just picked up where I left off and God just started using me immediately. Yeah. And it was unreal. And I remember we led, we had a testimonial page of how many people came to Christ. And I remember I was in there for about nine months and over 50 people came to Christ. We were, I was teaching the whole dorm, 32 people. Almost everybody was coming to Bible studies and officers would come in and they were just blown away by their experience. When people would come in Dallas County, normally you drop your bags and you're getting ready to fight. And our pod, they would drop their bags, think they're gonna fight, but we would have ushers come in and introduce themselves and say, welcome to uh, two pod, pod of second chances. And then we would let them know what we got going on in this part. This is maximum security. Yeah. But the spirit of God just permeated the place. Uh, we had scriptures up surrounding the whole pod. It was unbelievable, you know. And you know, I got my time. They gave me forty years at first. And I, you know, I don't need to go into all the details about yeah. In, now, in the courtroom. Now, now, how did that? How did that? How did you respond to that? Because I mean, I know sometimes when we're doing the right thing, right. We're serving the Lord, you know, uh, it's like okay, well, but we're expecting a certain answer for sure. And you're about to go through this again with your parole. Right. We're expecting a certain answer and, and, and you didn't get it at that time right. in Dallas County jail. So did that, did, did that like just wreck you for any amount of time? And, and if so talk about that, but if it didn't, and you just like, I accepted it, no big deal. And we're going to the next, the next season. Right. Well, obviously, you know, I had, um, all my family, uh, bankrupts from all over the country, a lot of reputable people there, you know, my closest in-laws, everybody was there. And when they gave me the time that we never expected, you know, we thought again, we were gonna be able to buy our way out of the situation, you know. They gave me 40 years, they stacked 220s. And I went back, I remember, you know, when they gave it to me, just, I became pale again, like a ghost. Yeah, yeah. Um, my mind went blank, um, went back to the pod. And I remember I went back to my cell and I was looking down and the Lord spoke to me. I mean, it was just, it was audible, it was tangible. The experience was unreal. He says, you have to trust me. Things are not as they appear to be, but you've got to trust me and I'm gonna give you grace in this place. Move forward in faith, don't look back. Okay. And at that point, I had a surge of just supernatural strength come in. You know, everybody's looking at my response. Mm -hmm. Like, what is Matt yep. gonna do? Is he going to continue to teach prayer or teach Bible study and do prayer circle? Or is he going to do like a lot of people when they get a lot of time, turn away from God, blame God and, and all these excuses? Yep. Well, I went down, called prayer call, and I let everybody know that they gave me this time, but I know that it's not going to stand. And I'm going to stand no matter what takes place or not, but I'm going to trust God all the way through it because I know that if he brings me to it, he's going to bring me through, through it. it. Yep. So, um, just continue to do, you know, what God called me to do right there, living by faith. Three weeks later, they called me down to court and said they made a mistake and gave back 20 years. So, and at that point, you know, God had just supernaturally showed me his hand. His yep. hand came down from heaven. Yep. I saw his hand, you know, and uh, that just set the course for me, yeah. you know, concerning my journey in this experience for these 10 years. Unbelievable. And uh, I've had the privilege of, you know, I came to the Luther unit when, when you was when you were there, and and uh, you know, and we wrote every once in a while. I think we wrote more in the beginning, but um, you know, I always made sure that I caught up with you to see how you were doing. And and I, every time I caught up with you, it just seemed like you were at another level. Yeah, 
at another level. So uh, talk a little bit about what got, I mean, where were you before the Luther? Did you go straight to Luther? Well, I was at a holiday unit. Okay, uh, the intake. That's, yeah, just for yeah. a couple of months. And then did you go straight to Luther from there? Yes. Okay, so you were at Luther until you I was at Luther you for about eight years. Carol Vance. Right. All right, so talk talk a little bit about your time at Luther, okay. man, and, and what God did for you there, in you and through you. Okay, so I got to Luther in 2014, and I'm big on names because in Scripture, you know, name is representation of character. So I'm like Luther. You know, you got Martin Luther Reformation, Martin Luther King. Why am I at Luther? So immediately I had uh, my girlfriend at the time look up Luther, and in Latin it literally means the people's army. And I knew that God had brought me to a, a camp, a basic training camp, to raise me up. And that was my perspective. So because that was my perspective, guess how I spent my time yeah. in training, right? Yeah. I was yielded to the process. It's where I met some great men of God, um, became part of uh, servant leadership, I think after about six months, where I met my, my mentor, uh, Ligarian Williams, who is now uh, on the board of directors of our ministry, Kingdom Outreach Ministry. Nice. Um, I met uh, Justin Hill and some wonderful men of God. But I remember right when I stepped into leadership, I was on the usher team, Timothy O'Brien, he uh, was constantly, you know, pulling me in his office and telling me there's something different about you. God is calling you up. Uh, in this season into a different position into a higher place than you're probably ready for mm. but you got to trust them so, so good. about two weeks later justin hill that was the coordinator of the church and the speaker and you know pastor and stuff he caught chain and went to pre-release and timothy o'brien called me in his office and he said remember the conversation we had <laughs> this is your time i'm calling you're, you're going to coordinate you're going to lead the church and nice. i said what like gideon <laughs> there's no way you're talking about me because, you know, I just freshly got into, stepped into leadership. You know, I've been back with the Lord for like a year, year and a half, maybe tops. Um, but again, the peace of God came all over me and God spoke to me and said, move forward in faith. Just mm -hmm. like he told Moses, yeah. move forward in faith. And that's where God began to raise me up as a man of God. Um, began to, you know, teach and preach. You know, the anointing was upon me. So the power of God was uh was was flowing it was frequent yeah. in my life and you know i had i had great men of god in my in my supporting cast yeah that were encouraging me and pouring into me and discipling me in leadership uh, ministerially you know yeah so would you say that luther unit is uh is the place where you started started growing your roots yes developed a strong foundation um you know understood who identity is everything you yep. know if you don't know who you are you really don't have a sense of direction in your life or purpose, you know, so you're not stable. You're not definitely not rooted, you know, and you're easily influenced by the things of the world, you know. So it was at Luther where I understood my identity in Christ. You know, I, I developed a vision for my future. I knew where I was going, had a mission. I knew my purpose, understood my gifts. God started really revealing to me and showing me through the experience of ministry that you know god is calling me into pulpit ministry you know to evangelize to preach and teach yeah. and he raised me up in the pulpit raised yeah. me up in leadership raised me up in church leader church leadership and building a church from the ground up and um it was the most unbelievable experience during those eight years okay so, so after that you went to the carol vance unit how did you end up there did you have to apply to go there did you just get okay shipped there well this is what happened about eight years um, in, I think this was in 2019, 
God put in my spirit to start putting in for Carol Vance and okay. my trustee status at the same gotcha. time. So um, COVID hit, and I remember I got declined for um, Carol Vance, and I got declined for my trustee. And I'm like, mm. God, what's going on? Wow. You're, you're putting this in my spirit, and I'm being obedient, but I'm running into a brick wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, persevere. There's a blessing in the pressing. Keep pressing through. Continue to trust me. And things will work out accordingly, but I'm still preparing you in certain areas of your life in the midst of this process. So I put in again 2021 for Carol Vance and uh, got declined again. Mm. Put in for my trustee, got declined again. Wow. So there was a warden named Warden Ochoa. God gave me a lot of favor with her. And um, I had began to build with her and she knew that I was you know, one of the coordinators of the church and stuff. And I was asking, I said, hey, can, is there any way that you can help me with my trustee status? Because I know that I'm eligible according to legislation and the penal codes, but the classification lady here keeps dec declining me um, for her personal reasons. So she, God brought her in, and got her involved. She was an Esther. She was pivotal in this process for me. You know, God brought her into my life at the perfect time, which is his providence, you know, yes. how he connects the yeah. dots, you know, concerning the fulfillment of destiny, right, over our life. And she got somebody involved in Huntsville. And um, I remember I was working in medical and I went to work and she said, Ayers, what are you doing here? I said, what do you mean? She said, you've been approved for your trustee since Wednesday and it was Friday. She said, oh no. She said, meet me in classification in five minutes. We're calling an emergency UCC meeting at wow. five o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. Never happens. So I go in there and Miss Williams is in there. She was the classification lady that was blocking me, kind of like a Pharaoh or whatnot. I was a spirit, obviously. But God was breaking through, and, and Morton Ochoa was sitting on, over her shoulder with her thumbs up, smiling at me, and said, we're proving you for your trustee, and I'm giving you the best job at the farm shop, as a farm shop clerk. She said, this is what you deserve. This is TDCJ's wow. mission. Yeah, yeah. It's rehabilitation. It's reform. It's not continual punishment, right? And she, she uh, exhibited that. So it's five o'clock. I got my move slip to uh, trustee and I went and told all the guys, the whole dorm was, you know, celebrating, yeah, yeah, clapping because yeah. they knew my story. Got to the trustee. Okay. So the next day, and keep in mind, I had been getting declined from my Carol Vance. Yeah. The next day when I came back from work, I had a Carol Vance approval slip wow. on my desk and I got approved and caught chain, got to Carol Vance um, about a year and a half ago. Uh, I think it was in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, and then you end up here. So tell us what you're doing here. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm here for PFA, Prison Fellowship Academy Program. I'm also here for personal mission as well because ministry yeah. never stops no matter yep. where you go. There's no yep. time out, time off. So um, I am a trustee. You know, I live in RPOD. And, you know, God called me to uh, start a Bible study over there, you know, as I'm continuing in the program. And, you know, to continue to be a hero to our to my home, be an impact right where I uh, right where I'm at and stuff. So began to, you know, lead in the dorm, uh, Bible studies and stuff and been going to Prison Fellowship Academy program for the last eight months or whatnot. You know, God's been, you know, using me in that program and stuff in the dorm. Uh, got a chance to, you know, minister here a couple of times at the church and stuff. So just continuing to move forward in faith and. You know, apply myself, you know, as God is, is leading me and being intentional in everything that I do. And where I stand today, I stand today as a, uh, a man that is content in Christ, full of faith, 
covered in peace. Yeah. And as Paul says in First Timothy uh, chapter six, godliness plus contentment equals great gain. And that's where I'm at today. And I'm looking to and be so, released. Yeah, yeah, you're uh, you're up for review, right? And uh, and so now you've also written something, uh, written something out that describes who the who you are now, right? So why don't you go ahead and read that? So the title is uh, "This Is Who I Am Now." So First Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse eleven. Everybody's familiar with it. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So I put away that old. That old man that ultimately really wasn't a man that's you know figuratively speaking for the sinful nature i was a child i've grown up now and this is who i am so june 18th uh 2013 was the day the exact moment in time that the old matthew heirs died on that day i literally surrendered my life and committed myself completely to christ in an instant i put away those childish things i stepped upon a pathway towards my destiny of becoming a better man a man of god in these 10 years of taking responsibility for my actions through repentance, reconciliation, and restoration, I have discovered who I am in Christ. I've been in the process of spiritual training, maturity, and self-actualizing into the man of God I was always created to be. Honestly, this has been the single greatest experience of my entire life in which I've become so much better and not bitter. I've discovered who I am, whose I am, my purpose, and my calling in life during these long years. I am forgiven, forgiven mm -hmm. felons, yep. uh, redeemed, restored, healed, made whole, and ultimately, I am a man of excellence. Getting to know my true identity has converted my worldview to a biblical view and introduced me to a new set of core values that has opened my mind and heart to a true understanding of life. I have also learned that what I find my identity in will determine what I live for, like I was talking about earlier. I am a man of God, a father, a husband, a productive member of society, and a man who is desperately seeking one more opportunity to be everything my family and community needs me to be. Today, I am no longer a threat nor a liability, but an asset. This is who I am today. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, listen, uh, as we close, I want to do two things. Number one, um, how are you going to live your life different now? than last time okay so upon my release i have a plan and i understand the necessity of accountability partners and i know you jay have offered to be that for me and i know that i must tie myself to healthy men of god and stay connected and plugged in not just to the church but to the body of christ because there's a necessity in fellowship that i now understand more than ever yeah. that i previously didn't know right um, I have a foundation today and my roots go deep. I know yeah. who I am, so I know where I'm going. I have a clear vision. God's uh, given me a, a ministry called Kingdom Outreach Ministry that I know that I'll be partnering with you in. In Dallas, we'll be servicing the prisons, homeless shelters, hospitals, and nursing uh, homes, ultimately doing uh, youth leadership programs as well. Um, but I'm going to be um, stepping right into that immediately. No time off, no timeouts, right? I took time off and I took a timeout last time. I'm not doing that when I touch down Go this all time. In. So I've got a great partnership with my brother-in-law. He's also a Christian. Um, that's who I'm going to be connecting myself to this time, not going back out to an environment thinking that I could save the world by myself and just plug it into an environment that's really not conducive to the direction that I'm going. Yep. My brother-in-law will be a great fit concerning my, my business and direction concerning finances. So those are two keys for me. Um, but ultimately just walking in, 
um, everything that God's called me to walk in, you know, living out my life in Christ, uh, representing the kingdom of God, guarding my testimony. And like Paul says, being conscious to not let my good be spoken evil of, you know, and this is my heart. This is my attitude. This is my posture and my position in which, like I said before, none of these things were present, yep. but they're present today. And I'm grateful. And I know God's got big things in store. Amen. I believe in you and I'm going to be there beside you. Last time I wasn't a, a very uh, great friend um, to you. I didn't hold you accountable um, to the level I think I probably should have. I didn't get up in your face. I just let you go. And I want to apologize for that. I ain't letting you go this time. Amen. You're going to get sick of me. I'm going to be Amen. all up in your grill. And uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to, by the grace of God, just make sure you you, you stay seasoned with salt in everything you do and you don't get, you know, drugged back into, you know, the other empire. Right. Oh, uh, you like that? The yeah. other empire. Right. <laughs> An empire's dead. So, um, last thing is, is uh, man, this, this podcast, uh, I know, I know tank nation does too, but goes, goes all over, all over the nation, prisons, jails everywhere. So speak to those people in jail and prisons, give them hope. You're, you've been in prison 10 years. You're coming up on your first parole. What kind of anxiety are you going through now? You know, what, what are you thinking? They're probably out. Someone's out there thinking the same thing, being in the same position as you. Somebody's probably out there down, depressed, you know, whatever. Um, you know, just speak, speak life and hope into everybody sitting in the position that you're in now. Well, a paradigm verse, which is a foundational scripture over my life that I live by, I walk through and um, promote by the way that I live is Matthew six thirty three. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, meaning that he's priority. His presence is priority and takes precedence over any and everything of our life. And when that's true and when that is cultivated and when that remains, he promises that all these things shall be added. And that's talking about provision and resources in the context of Matthew chapter six. And when he is number one, and when he is uh, what you pursue most, you will find an, an unreal peace that makes no sense, yep. that will cover your heart, permeate your mind, saturate your being, to where it just causes you to excel and to move into the direction of success organically. Yeah. Um, today, I'm waiting for my parole answer again because Christ is priority and I'm uh, in a high-speed pursuit of his heart, not in the things of the world or building my kingdom, but building his kingdom. Um, godliness plus contentment equals great gain. That great gain for me is that I'm saturated in peace. I have no worry, no concern. I know that everything is in his hands for he's a just judge. Yep. And like Proverbs 21 one says, the heart of the king's in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whichever way he chooses. So my encouragement is to continue to keep him first. And as you keep him first, everything in your life will align itself organically. It's going to take its course according to God's will. And as we're obedient to his word, we will walk in his way. Success will naturally come. It will be a byproduct. And it will ultimately keep you on course to walking in your true destiny mm -hmm. in which everybody has. But our destiny is not in self. 
but it's in the Son of God, which is Jesus. Amen. And that's the greatest encouragement that Last I can give Last thing, anybody. speak to moms. I know you got a mom that loves you, and I, I, we're me and her are Facebook friends, you know, and uh, moms, my mom, your mom, everybody's mom probably is like, is my son ever going to straighten up and come home? Is he ever going to get out of prison? So last thing, just speak to the moms. Give the moms hope. Well, you know, this whole this whole incarceration, you know, my mom, she's remained my best friend, my number one fan. It's like moms just never leave, never lose hope. You know, my mom and my grandmother have always been, you know, the, the praying uh, just super warriors in my corner and have believed in me, rooted for me, and have been and remained my number one fans the whole time. And it's through my mom's continual love, just that continual reassuring and rooting for me in season and out. My mom has not stopped clapping for me, celebrating me, um, being here side by side me for 10 years. And I'm going to be honest with you. Her love is a contributing factor to keeping me, to keeping my heart hydrated. Absolutely. And cultivated. So I'm very grateful for my mother. And moms play a pivotal paradigm role in the continual uh, progression of us that are in prison. All right. So moms, listen, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep reaching out. Keep texting, emailing, bugging. Keep uh, messaging, visiting them in prison. Keep doing it all. Matthew, so Matt, so much. uh, Thank you so much for coming on the show today and taking the time out of your uh, busy prison schedule. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) To to hang out with me, man. It's an honor and a privilege uh, to, to see what God's done in your life over the last, you know, 20 years since I've known you or 19 years since I've known you. So, um, thank you for being my friend. You know, even when I didn't, uh, always write you or send you something, you every once in a while would send something to me. So I appreciate that. And, uh, looking forward to, to working on the outside with you and grinding for the Lord out there. And, uh, and, and we, we're, we're recording this in, uh, at the Plunsky unit at the tank tank station tank nation radio station. So Rami, we just, we just interviewed Rami. I'll probably air these episodes back to back. So, uh, but Rami, thank you for letting us use your station. And we apologize to any regularly scheduled programming that was out there that we interrupted. We are sorry, but not sorry. But we hope you enjoyed uh, Rami sure and Matt. Write a grievance on you. Write a grievance. Write a grievance. Send an I sixty in. Whatever you know. Whatever you want to do. I remember I, uh, somebody sent me an I sixty the other day, and they said we we want you to come. We sent the chaplain to I sixty. We want you to come. And they sent the after the chaplain wrote back and said, yeah, we'll have him come. They sent me the I sixty. So I got to see what an I sixty yeah. looks like. It hasn't changed. Uh, it's it still the same. So so. Uh, but Rami, thank you so much, man. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. And Matt, thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening to Background Check. Okay, so the main thing, I I, I just really enjoyed my time at Polunsky. Rami and Matt were just gracious guests, and Rami was gracious for letting us um, use the studio. We used all his equipment. It was incredible. And so um, thanks again, uh, Warden Dickerson and the staff at the Polunsky Unit, uh, Chaplain Martin, we had fun. We had fun, and um, I'm looking. I'm hoping to come to more units and, and record more inmates. So I uh, would love that. And also, I, we're getting some letters from people um, to interview maybe the volunteer, the free world volunteer that comes in to their to your unit. And so, um, so yeah, we'd love to get more volunteers on the show. So 
let us know if you have a volunteer at your unit that that uh, you'd like for us to contact or they can contact us it's fine uh but yeah listen the main thing i want you to get out of matt's testimony a lot of good stuff a lot of golden nuggets a lot of wisdom a lot of experience but the main thing is he read two letters he read a letter uh, about who he used to be and a letter about who he is now and let me tell you man that is so important that is so important that um that that we do some something like that, some form of of um, compare and contrast to the old me to the new me, and I used to tell people all the time, like when they're trying to, you know, stop an addiction. Uh, what I did, what helped me was like I wrote down uh, alcohol was my worst addiction, and I wrote down, I drew a line down the middle of the page, and then I wrote at the top left what alcohol, what good alcohol has done for me. And then I wrote at the top of the right page what bad alcohol has done for me. And let me tell you right now, the only thing good I could I could come up with at all was just even in my old mindset where I just used language like, you know, it got me laid, it got me, had me a good time. But now my 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 definition of good time is totally different. So that's not even something good that I got from alcohol, you know, and um the line on the right, the column on the right, was it's just always going to be bigger than, um, you know. And, and just, I mean, if you learn to not relive the old you, but just reflect on, you'll always remember how far God has brought you. You'll always be able to tell, uh, measure how, how much you've grown, and I think it's important. So if you haven't done that, man, anything like that, write, uh, write a letter to whomever. Write it to yourself. Write it to your parents. Write it to the parole board, you know, of, of, of the guy you used to be. And then write, you know, a letter of who you are now. Now, listen, if those if those two letters sound the same, there's not much growth there, and you need to do something about it. But, but B, if you're honest with yourself and write a letter about who you are uh, who you are now and write a letter about who you used to be, and you're honest with yourself and you take a really close look, okay, man, am I hanging around the same people? Am I hanging around doing the same things and I'm am I going to the same places take an inventory man it's kind of like, letters are kind of like an inventory it's like a journal inventory whatever and it really helps you it really helps us so uh hey I, I just want to give some shout outs um Carson at the Formby unit I think that's where you are hey man love you bud stay strong praying for you uh and uh man kitchen woo alright dude uh Joshua Quinlan Hey, man, just want to say shout-out to you, bud. Um, Gator, Gator told me you wrote him, and so I just wanted to give you a shout-out, man. Stay strong. Get close to the Lord, man. Dornbush, Dornbush, where are you at now, man? I hope you're doing good. Um, hope you're in the Word and uh, and growing stronger every day. Tom White, um, I don't think you all even have the tablets yet, but, Tom, when you do, you'll be able to hear this. Wendell, Wendell, stay strong, man. Um, God's got a plan and, and I don't know what it is but God's got a plan man um, you guys that are coming to forgive me fellas Robert Hickox Stephen Stephen uh, Kistner uh, who else man we, I didn't lose you uh, Chris Kaufman y'all get ready alright get ready get your heart right if it's not get it take all the classes you can take at the end of your you know whatever if you're coming up for parole we're praying for you Love you guys. Uh, we're ready for you guys out here. So just uh, y'all be ready when it's time to come out. All right. Love you guys. Uh, have a great week. 
and uh, we'll see you on Monday. Y'all pray for me. I am going to speak at a, at Man Camp all weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. By the time you hear this, it'll probably already be the middle of the weekend. But um, but uh, we're going to the middle of Texas, Goldthwaite, Texas. Um, we're going to be camping in tents, and I'm going to be speaking. It's going to be a great time. Y'all keep us in your prayers. All right. Love y'all. See you on Monday background check-in. Oops. Hold up. I didn't pray. <laughs> I can't believe y'all were going to let me get out of there and not pray. All right, Father, thank you for uh, thank you for Matt, Lord. Uh, we just lift him up to you, Lord. It's been a, 10 years is a long time. I know it's not the longest anybody's been, ever been in, but I know it's been a long time for him. We just ask you, Lord, to keep everything uh, in perspective for him, Lord. We ask you to keep him strong, keep him focused. Uh, Lord, we lift up uh, Linda as well, his mom, James, his brother-in-law, Katie, his sister. Lord, we lift everybody up, Lord, to you. And we just ask you, We first of all, we thank you for his support base, Lord. He's got a strong support system. We thank you for his parole lawyer team. We thank you for um, We thank you for his parole hearing lord we know it's coming up we don't know when it's coming up but we know it's coming up and we just ask you to go ahead of us and be in that room wherever that that or be on the call wherever that hearing is going to take place lord we ask you to go before holy spirit go before and, and just prepare all the words um thank you lord for everyone listening to background check podcast we pray over those people that write in that say that they're suicidal that they're depression anxiety um you know, whatever they're going through, whatever you're going through right now, listener, wherever you are in prison, out here, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, it's not greater than the name of Jesus. So I speak the name of Jesus over your situation, whether it's healing, financial, uh, uh, depression, suicide, addiction, whatever it is, the name of Jesus is greater and that thing must bow. So I speak Jesus into whatever your situation is in Jesus name. Love y'all. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.